Episode 18, City of Stone. Be proud, but not prideful. The stone fortress was perched on a hill overlooking the empire on one end and the mighty waterfall on the other. Its entrance was caved in stone with heavy wooden doors. Beside it, two guards stood. Beside the guards were two statues of lions with opened jaws that welcomed visitors. The Queendom hired the best sculptors of the time to create an entrance that was befitting of the Queen's position in the politics of Southern Africa. The stone castle was built in honor of her people, the Roswe. She and the Shona were accustomed to stone buildings that seemed more permanent than the usual thatched housings. However, in spite of the abundance of skilled stone cutters and masons, stone was only available for sacred places and royal quarters. Her kingdom thrived on trade with the Far East for spices, gold, designs and architectural insights. She made sure everyone in her kingdom benefited from the trade and richness of their land. After the decline of the Zimbabwe or Stone City, she opened up another market center and there monopolized the trade by creating a place where buyers and sellers would meet. In ages past, before the arrival of Mukuni, diplomats, emissaries from distant lands would assemble in the stone castle, bearing gifts from the legendary Vediango. Many had heard of the queen's kingdom that was left with gold from her mines and spices from the east, they had heard rumors of a queen with a beauty second to none and a thirst for wisdom. Some still think she was the queen of Sheba. The kingdom was a world wonder with waterfalls, curtains from the Middle East and armies mighty to compare. Merchants and kings and hunters and laborers escaped to her for fortress when persecuted. Many centuries later, during the reign of Vediango Munyama, her husband, Mukuni Ngombe, for the Queen's Stone Wall Palace called Nanjina was put down to be replaced by mud and mortars and uh, thatched structures to signal a new beginning in the governance of the kingdom. Don't run around the house. Never should you ever run around it. Do you hear me? Vediango Vediango Munyama sternly warned her daughter. The tone in her voice sent chills down the little Muzamba. This was something serious, because her mother neither raised her voice at anything this specific. What? Muzamba couldn't resist the curiosity. You will know when you get older, Vediango said, pulling both of her kids closer and giving them a kiss. Don't ever run around the house, okay? Now Ngonia has the conversation struck in her mind. The curious thought bothered her she entered Nanjina Palace to bring news of the Ndebele raid. Episode 19, Queens. Let her sleep, for when she wakes, she will shake the world. Napoleon.
There was something about watching her sleep. He smiled and tucked her hair behind her head. To him she was a volcano awaiting to erupt, a cosmic force gathering its strength. The sun's rays danced against her melanin skin and shone into a million golden rays. Black skin loves sunlight as four mornings love the mist. A mist that covered everything in boxes of semi-invisibility and infinite possibility. The previous day had had its toll on the princess. Even she, the most valiant warrior princess of the nation, wasn't immune to the long and impromptu ceremonies that never seemed to end. It was the installation ceremony for Mami Naruko of Huang, a sister kingdom, that for some reason that day preferred having a night ceremony with fires and oral narrations of how the kingdom came to be. They told tales of a great queen mother who watched over her subjects, but then fell in love with a stranger and his tales of a distant land. Every time a new king was installed, they invited the neighboring kingdoms to send representatives to the ceremony. And this time, Gonia, together with some trusted emissaries, was selected to represent her uncle, Siankond. After the ceremony, they stayed behind to catch up, and that was the last Gonia recalled. Among the emissaries were Sia Bukova, uh, a warrior and admirer of Gonia, Mulindi, Siamukale, and Sia Luis. Sorry. Was the first word she uttered that morning, wiping sleep from her eyes. She smiled and sent a lightning bolt through his. How could someone look so beautiful so effortlessly? Don't apologize to me. Tell it to my outfit that has been ruined by your drilling. He thought of how much he had poured out his heart last night only to realize that his audience was sound asleep, but agreeing to everything he said with sighs. Hmm? 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 I'm sorry. She pretended speaking to the shed. She held the garment, appearing sympathetic. Apology accepted. You know you shouldn't sleep in public. It isn't like I am planned it or anything. Somehow she wasn't bothered. Waking up next to him wasn't as bad as waking up to a stranger. She trusted him. She felt safe around him. Although she couldn't say that about a lot of people in the kingdom. Breakfast is being served in an hour. Get ready. Let's meet up for the banquet or the feast. He got up from the stool to wash up in the river with the other young people. Her safety to him was the most important thing. Suddenly, it felt like his sacred duty to watch over her when her guard was down. Oh, what's the story between you two? One of the young men, an old friend of his, dared to ask him. You had her on a silver platter and you did nothing. They mocked him and laughed at and laughed it out. It isn't like that. What happened? You were not like this. 
You wouldn't be passing such opportunities like this, another suggested. Ah, he knew their kind. The kind that took advantage of women and used them as objects rather than people in their moment of vulnerability. He knew that kind very well because he was one of them. Don't you dare speak about her that way. Relax, relax. We thought you become soft. He didn't know what came over him, but suddenly he found himself restrained by a couple of friends after he punched the lights out of one of them. Slowly, he liberated himself from their hold and turned to the bleeding one. How soft was that? He knew men like this would one day have daughters. Only then would they realize the value of the fire they intended to stamp out. She was capable of taking care of herself against such men, but doing something about them made him feel better. Good morning, nice to see you again. What happened to your fist there bleeding? Oh, it's nothing, it's nothing, just a small snake in the river. For a moment he was taken aback by her beauty. I have to say you don't look a day over 50. Mount Chief, Munoka, Yamukuni, Kuare, 